This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host... Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. It's uh, it's uh, getting a little chilly out there. and uh, Frost in good old Nobleton this morning. Frost in Nobleton. Anyways, uh, the NHL season starts this week. The Toronto Maple Leafs are uh, creating some excitement in the city. They got off to a little bit of a slow start in preseason, which preseason is normally meaningless in any event. But they got on a little roll. Uh, I think they won four or five in a row, and they look pretty good doing it, Naz. So um, uh, NHL starts this week, Leafs starts this week, and at 9.15 or shortly thereafter, we'll be talking to Michael Traco, senior hockey writer for Post Media Network, about the NHL in the upcoming season. Middle of the hour, John Steinbretter, one of golf's great writers, uh, is going to be calling us directly from Liberty National, the President's Cup. Uh, that... Uh, that that particular competition seems oh, to well was up, pretty right? well over before it started. So uh, we won't steal John Steinbretter's thunder. Uh, we'll uh, we'll have a brief chat about the President's Cup and this overwhelming performance by the American team. Uh, Naz, uh, topic we uh, we were chatting about it just before the show. Why don't we start off with that one? Um, uh, we 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 rarely uh, we try to avoid political discussions on the show. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, so, uh, but you know, uh, few listeners have been uh, been after me all week to express an opinion on uh, whether the Nazwali Sports Hour has any opinions uh, when it comes to non-sports items and. Uh, of course, that uh, that takes us to a discussion of the NFL, and I, I don't really want to get too heavy into the politics of it because, uh, of course, we're talking about the controversy about the national anthem, the protests, Colin Kaepernick, and all of that. Um, and the one thing I realize that opinions are so polarized in American society these days, uh, and for that matter, in Canadian society, perhaps not as bad as America, but we've got our own we've got our own issues to deal with here, both race issues and indigenous people issues. So we, you know, it's not that we don't have concerns north of the border either. We do, Um, but um, you know, we came in this morning, Naz, and I asked you, uh, who are the Bills playing today? Bills are playing the Falcons. Yeah, but I had to think about it because nobody's talking about football. Yeah. Right. Um, um, or if we talk about NFL football, it's just about um, the big the big question today is uh, not necessarily ex- not necessarily who's playing who or who's playing well or whatever, but who's going to kneel today. And of course, the president in his uh, I was going to use the term infinite wisdom. I, I let me take that term back um, for whatever reason. Uh, of course, wants to keep wants to keep this discussion going, and he tweeted once again yesterday that he expects all NFL players to stand for the anthem today, and not to protest. And we've had this discussion briefly on the show, Naz, and I'm going to acknowledge Colin Kaepernick's right to peaceful protest. Um, but I guess the question is, when are we going to start talking about football again and football games? Um, and what can the owners and the players do to sort of get a meeting of the minds uh, so that we can satisfy the players' concerns? And perhaps um, I'd like to, quite frankly, I'd like to see an end to the kneeling and to uh, to the protest during the games, at the same time acknowledging 
that there are some significant, overwhelming uh, social issues that need to be continued to be discussed, um, and progress needs to be made. Um, but I just want to watch some football. Yeah, we were. You were asking me how do how do how do we end this? I don't think they can end it. I really can't. I, I don't see how unless unless they don't play the national anthem. That's the only way I can see it that this comes to an end because it's just going to continue, continue on going on and on and on, right? Yeah, and uh, these are issues that hit home on both sides of the debate. And I, I can, you know, quite frankly, given my given my background, I, I can argue either side of this mm-hmm. particular debate. Uh, you know, one side perhaps has a higher moral ground, or quite frankly they do because they've been subject to uh, – Racial injustice and racial inequality, essentially, for the last since ever, you know since the United States was founded, uh, not that progress hasn't been made. Progress has been made over the course of you know two hundred years, but there's still progress that has to be made. And those issues, Muhammad Ali put the issues forward uh, in the 1968 Olympics. You remember those protests? I can't John remember Carlos. John Carlos and Tommy Smith. Um, you know. Protest and putting your opinions forward is what America is all about. It's called freedom of speech. Uh, But uh, in that freedom of speech exercised at at these particular points in time during a national anthem, ensuring a a flag waving, uh, whether we like it or not, that tends to turn up or – put other people's backs up who take it as a sign of disrespect. Uh, and they've got feelings on the issue as well. Um, and I guess my question is, you know, Colin Kaepernick and the NFL players, their legal rights, uh, they're putting forward valuable issues, but at the same time, you've got 80,000 paying customers coming to a game, um, half of whom probably aren't that thrilled about somebody kneeling during their national anthem and who's right and who's wrong there's probably a little bit of both on both sides oh it's definitely uh but they're two different issues one is uh, the flag and uh, the racist issues are two different issues i think and they're getting mixed up with each other right? i think you hit the nail on the head nas yeah they're two separate issues altogether and uh somehow if if somehow you could separate i mean i'd love to you know uh, whether that should happen, I guess the debate is whether that should happen at that particular moment in time. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I'd like to see the owners and the players get together and somehow they communicate and they have a dialogue where the owners can satisfy the players' concerns about the message that they're trying to put out. And perhaps the players can do it in a different way that satisfies their need to put their issues before the American public and perhaps in a way that, uh, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't, uh, I don't want to use the word insult, but there's a lot of paying customers, a lot of people coming to these games that just want to watch a football game. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they might be supportive of, of the uh, players' uh, protests, they are supportive of, of uh, calls for racial justice and racial equality, and, and uh, you know, everybody wants to put an end to police brutality. There's nobody who's not in favor of that, although when I suggest that, I'm a vocal supporter of police. Um, obviously, there's going to be a few bad apples. Uh, you there's want bad it, apples everywhere, right? You want, you want to get out of them. You want to get them out, but I think the players, the racialized players are suggesting it's not just a few bad apples. It's systemic. And that needs to be addressed. And, of course, you know, civilized societies should have these discussions. Uh, and perhaps the players and the owners can come to um, a discussion, uh, a different way of doing it that satisfies the players' concerns and perhaps um, lessens the spectacle that we are seeing every Sunday. And perhaps we can start talking about who's going to beat who on Sunday afternoon Rather than uh, rather than how many teams are going to be taking a knee today, um, I want to start talking football again, Naz, and hopefully some hopefully reasonable people can come to some sort of reasonable accommodation 
on these uh, very, very serious issues. Yeah. Anyways. I, I agree with you. Anyways, uh, it's time for our break, and uh, we're going to talk some hockey. We're going to talk some NHL. We're going to talk some Toronto Maple Leafs, and we'll be right back with Michael Trakos, the senior hockey writer for Post Media News. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zuma Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740. If you're listening in downtown Toronto on 96.7 FM, Live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Nazimali Sports Hour, senior hockey writer for Post Media, Michael Trakos. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Hey, pretty good, guys. How are you doing uh, this lovely Sunday morning? <laughs> We're doing great. Thank you very much. Uh, we want to talk some hockey. We don't want to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins going to the White House. We've tired with that topic now. Uh, let's talk some hockey. NHL is going to start this week. The Toronto Maple Leafs are starting. There's a buzz in the city. Michael, uh, how optimistic should we be uh, in Toronto? To be... Yeah. Well, I think across Canada, there's a reason to be optimistic aside of... Uh... Of living out really west in uh, in Vancouver, but um, in Toronto, I think there's a, a really good chance that uh, a this team is in the playoffs, but b um, could end up with home ice advantage. And uh, I think it's gonna be tough uh, in the Atlantic Division to knock off a team like Tampa Bay. Um, I see them probably winning the division, but after that, um, Toronto should be in a mix uh, to finish second, uh, with possibly maybe Montreal also in that mix and. Uh, uh, we'll see who else is in there, but uh, there's probably a cluster of three teams that could easily get uh, that second spot in the Atlantic, and no reason why Toronto, with the scoring power that they have, and just based on what we've seen out of those young guys, they're only going to get better. Uh, we keep hearing that, and it's true. So uh, no reason to think that Toronto can't be at the top there. The Toronto defense seems to be the issue uh, with their team, and they've added, uh, they're probably going to add Callie Rosen and... Uh, Borgman, uh, looks like on the roster, two kids from uh, Sweden. Is it a problem with the Leafs, their D? Is it a, sorry, is it a, a problem with the Leafs, Michael, their D? Is the the problem on the team? I don't know if it's a problem anymore. I, I think there's maybe unknowns. Uh, we don't know what Cal Rosen and uh, Borgman are going to bring in their first year in North America. Um, are they going to have seasons similar to Nikita Zaitsev? If so, then it's definitely not a problem. Um, but there's probably going to be some growing pains. And 
Um, I still question Ron Hainsey. Um, I know he was able to um, play probably a number one role um, unexpectedly for the Penguins in the playoffs, but still talking about a guy who's up there in age, uh, not the fastest skater. Um, and I wonder if his usage is too much, if Lisa will burn him out too early and uh, see how he can handle that. So I think that's the one question mark in my mind. Um, whether it's Carrick and Rosen or Carrick and Borgman or what that combination looks like, I think there's a lot of potential for that third pair. Um, we know where we're going to get out of Gardner and Zaitsev, but that, that third pair, they can eat up a lot of minutes. I think that'll make Mike Babcock's job a lot easier and maybe take some pressure off Ron Hainsey having to log maybe 25-plus minutes a night. Does the Toronto whipping boy Marinchin get released <laughs> this week? Yeah, it looks that way. Uh, when he's had opportunities in preseason, uh, there's been too many gaffes. Um, and just with the competition on the back end, uh, I would put him behind not only Rosen and uh, uh, Borgman, but I'd also put him behind Travis Dermott in terms of how he's looked. And to be honest, knowing what you got out of Roland Polak, uh, I know we haven't seen a ton of him in the preseason because of the injury, but uh, um, I would even be put him behind a veteran like Polak. So, yeah, it looks like Marinson's going to get released. It's a question of does he get claimed or not, or uh, if he's the guy that we still haven't seen the last of here. I'd personally love to see Polak back. I thought uh, I thought he brought something to the team last year, but I want to take uh, a different direction, Michael, uh, slightly different direction. A uh, lot was made that uh, on the Dominic Moore signing, he was going to be our fourth-line center. He's going to kill some penalties, take some face-offs. Uh, but this Altonen kid uh, may uh, may bump him from this spot. Um, is uh, how's the how's the fourth line uh, peg looking? Is it Altonen or is it Dominic Moore? It's a good question. Uh, I don't think even uh, Mike Babcock maybe uh, knows for sure right now. And it's interesting because a year ago it was a similar situation with uh, Brooks Light where. Figure okay, the Leafs are going to have a young team, and all the interviews going in were looks like he's going to play that father figure role to guys like Matthews and whoever, and the guy that uh, had played with um, Michael Nylander. So now he's going to play with this kid and William, and things changed. I've got to a place for him. So I wonder if a similar thing is happening with Dominic Moore, where maybe Lou and Mike Babcock weren't quite on the same page when he was signed as a free agent or if it's just a case of, you know, you don't know what you got at a health in it. You don't know what that ceiling looks like, uh, what his potential is going to be uh, as a fourth line center. Uh, maybe this is a guy that provides you with way more offense, offense and gives Babcock an opportunity to slot him in different spots in the lineup. But um, maybe it's a nice problem to have um, when you got battle um, back there on the fourth line, but then you also have, um, if need be, you can throw a Dominic Moore in there because you know what you got with him. Or with Alton, then you're almost kind of taking a flyer and kind of trying to swing for the fences with this guy. We're talking. Yeah, there, there's two guys, Kapanen and uh, Alton, and they both can be sent down to the minors, right? Both those players, they have options to go down to the minors. The Leafs can send them down and not lose anybody. Is that correct, Mike? Uh, definitely with Kapanen. With Alton, I think it's a different case. Um, you probably can send him down to the, on the minors, but I wonder if uh, this is a guy at, at his age level, um, if he would I – don't, I don't know what his thought process is like. If he's one of those guys that would say, listen, if you're going to send me down to the minors, I might as well just go back uh, uh try my hand in Europe or uh, what, what the case is there. But uh, there's definitely options. Um, they're not sold on any of these guys, and even Dominic Moore. Um, with the money he's being made, you can send him down to the minors and eat that contract, no problem. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily a problem. If you, if you lose one of these guys to waivers or um, with with Kapanen, you're not going to do that. It's not a Josh Lebel situation, but um, I don't I can't remember. Poor Josh Lebel, um, eh? Poor Josh. Yeah, Lee. well, I just can't recall, like, in the last five years where the Leafs had this real problem where <laughs> look at some of the guys in the minors and the depth that they have at the forward spot in particular is astounding. And even with defense, I know there's not um, maybe the top-end guys that a Calgary or Nashville has, but when you're looking at the depth, like, they have a lot of guys that are the worst-case scenario or bottom-pairing NHLers, 
And like we said, with the, just the ceiling and the unknown levels with um, uh, Rosen and Boardman and Dermott coming up, uh, these guys are potential second pairing um, defensemen. And like I said, just a lot of depth, a lot of competition. And I think Leafs have a lot to be happy about after seeing what we've seen in uh, preseason. Talking to Michael Traco, senior hockey writer for uh, Post Media Network. Michael, um, one of the concerns, obviously, uh, when you've got young talent uh, coming off of great seasons, of, is is the quotation marks sophomore jinx. Uh, always get we'll always worry about that. But uh, watching watching the kids in the preseason, it, it doesn't seem that uh, that uh, they've lost a step at all. In fact, it seems like Austin Matthews has taken his game even to a higher level. Um, your reaction to how uh, Nylander, Marner, and uh, and Matthews have looked in the preseason? Well, there's no... I think there's no concern that there's going to be a sophomore jinx. And it looks like Mike Babcock did a smart thing in the sense that there were specific games where he told everyone in the morning skate, okay, this is... Or even the day before, this is going to be an NHL roster that we're going to ice here. This is going to be... Uh, a full complement of the team. And by doing that, I think you put a lot of pressure on the kids and you say, listen, there's going to be a lot of eyes on you, um, not just maybe um, from the fans and the media, but across the league, I think a lot of people were watching that. And I had the, con- I had the uh, pleasure of talking with Paul Maurice in Winnipeg this week on the phone, and I asked him just about sophomore jinxes, and he said no. And he brought up that whole Leafs. Uh, I think there was the game that Austin Matthews had a hat trick. Um, and he said, you know what? A lot of people are watching what Toronto can do and already has done. And I talked to Bruce Boudreau about the same thing, and he said that uh, when you've got the kids in Toronto, these aren't guys that came into the league last year and unexpectedly had good rookie seasons. Everyone expected that Matthews, based on the World Cup and World Championships, and that Marner and Nylander were going to do something special. So great players doing something great. There's no reason why it can't be replicated. It can't or built upon, and I think that's the case here. I think worst-case scenario, Austin Matthews ends up with a similar season that he did last year, and um, I would be, if I was a betting man, I would definitely bet that he improves on it and does what McDavid does and really kind of takes that next step forward. Michael, uh, Marlowe is, of course, the big-name signing. Where does he fit in, and how are you? Uh, w- how do you see Babcock uh, putting the top two lines? Who's going to be on the top two lines, and what places? Yeah, I think with uh, with Martin, we're just talking to him again about that depth that they have. Um, he comes here, and it's not <clears throat> slam dunk that he's going to play with Matthews, and he hasn't even seen a minute with him. So, uh, I think it's a great scenario where you've got this balance in your lineup where you can have Nazem Kadri with Marlowe and Kalmarov or whoever else ends up on that wing, whether it's a, maybe a Connor Brown or someone like that. But really, your top three lines, each one of them can do damage. Uh, and I wonder if their usage is going to be very similar when all is said and done in terms of the even strength minutes, if he just kind of rolls three lines and without a care in terms of who's starting where. Um, saw what Nazem Kadri was able to do last year. Um, I, I think looking forward, there's no reason to why you shouldn't expect 25 goals out of Kadri, 25 out of Marlowe, and somewhere around 10 to 15 out of Komarov. And that's a lot of production out of one line. When you got Bozak with Van Riemsdyk, who I think is really in a happy spot. The one thing I kind of took away from training camp this uh, past couple of weeks was that every time I went in that room, JVR looked like a, a guy that could not be happier with the situation right now. Um, I think he looks around that lineup and is just, beaming uh, in the sense that he doesn't have to be the go-to guy that there's a ton of great young talent it seems like a really cohesive room and i think he's just loving the fact that he gets to play with a guy like mitch marner Uh, him and bozak obviously have that familiarity and like i said they're not leaned on to be the number one line or even the number two line and yet they're probably going to produce like a number one or number two line and we know what matthews and nylander can do um and it's just a matter of can zach hyman uh, maybe produce more than he did last year because it's going to be in a lot of opportunities. And I think you need him to be sort of what Pat Maroon was for Edmonton and chip in with more goals than he did. And um, maybe he's a guy that takes kind of well, an unexpected step forward, but maybe um, with the contract behind him, this is a guy that can really kind of do some damage. 
Let's talk about the Leaf rivals, the rival, the Montreal Canadiens, and how they look. They uh, the beginning, they went 0-6. They won their last couple of games. Where, what are they going to do this year? Yeah, I don't put too much stock on the the preseason, but uh, there's a weird one. There's a lot of moving parts there. Um, they lose Markov, they lose Emelin, but I think they upgraded on defense with getting Carl Alsner, who's maybe a younger. Um, a younger version of Markov in the sense of what he's going to bring to them. And uh, they get David Schlemko, I think, is an upgrade over Emelin. So I think their defense is a little better. They never got Carey Price in there. I don't care what your defense looks like. He's going to make it look really good as, as long as he's healthy. The one question mark for me is just the offense. They didn't score a lot of goals in the preseason, and goal scoring was a bit of a problem for them last year. You get Jonathan Druin, but now you're asking him to go from his wing to his center position. That's going to be a tough transition. I know he looked pretty good there and pretty comfortable there in the preseason, but that's one to kind of keep an eye on to see if he lasts at the center spot or if they move Galchenyuk back there or if someone else can be an answer. Um, if Durant can work up the middle, I think it's going to be Montreal and Toronto battling out for that second spot, maybe third spot in the Atlantic. And uh, This is a playoff team. Um, I think there's no doubt when you've got Carey Price that this is a playoff team. It's just a matter of uh, do the other pieces around him work. We've been talking to Michael Trakos, senior hockey writer for the for Post Media. Michael, uh, uh, we're excited about the season. I know that you're uh, you're you're a journalist and you've got to be objective. So, uh, but uh, we're excited about the Leafs prospects this year, and I'm sure uh, the fans in the Toronto area and all Leaf fans across uh, the NHL community are uh, really excited about this year. So, uh, let's stay in touch and. Uh, I know you can't say this, but we'll say this. Go Leafs, go. <laughs> well, it should be a fun season. Like I said, there's a lot of excitement, not just in Toronto, but across Canada. And when's the last time you actually went in with, not hope, but legitimate uh, high expectations that this is going to be a good one. So, yeah, the, you should be happy. Yeah, we are, and we're uh, really looking forward to the season. Thanks so much for your time, Michael. All right, thanks, boys. Appreciate Th- it. Thank you. That, of course, was Michael Trakos uh, talking about the Leafs. Before we go to break, Naz, last uh, last uh, yeah, I disagree. Response. Montreal, I don't think Montreal will make the playoffs. I really don't. You really don't like the Habs, do you? No, not at all. <laughs> Anyways, we'll be right back after the break with John Steinbrenner, and we'll be talking about the President's Cup. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too. But the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. 
the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour John Steinbretter. John is, of course, one of golf's great writers, contributor to Masters.com, a senior writer for Global Golf Post, and has received numerous awards for his golf writing. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning. How are you doing today? Uh, we're doing great. Thanks so much for joining us. We understand that yeah, you're uh, you're covering the President's Cup, and you're uh, you're actually down at Liberty Village. Uh, sorry, Liberty well, National, uh, down in Jersey. I was there all day yesterday. I'm, I'm not okay. covering it per se. I'm doing some work, but uh, leaving that to my colleagues, John Hopkins and Ron Green at Global Golf Post, to give you the blow by blow. But I was down there yesterday, and it was a beautiful day. It's in a gorgeous setting. Uh, Took a water ferry to and from the course across the Hudson River from Manhattan and lots of good visuals of the Freedom Tower and, and the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island. And uh, uh, But the story there, of course, is just the internationals are getting stomped. And it's uh, it was amazing to see uh, the bloodletting continue yesterday as it has been since the, uh, since the matches started on Thursday. Um Certainly, uh, the internationals are are, are getting uh, are getting it handed to them. Which uh, I, I think after the they do the postmortems on this, John, and I, you know, I don't know whether you even thought about this, uh, but this hasn't been much of a competition since it started back in nineteen. To be quite frank, uh, since nineteen ninety four, the internationals have only won it once. Uh, and they've gotten smoked by the Americans most of the time, and this is probably the worst thumping uh, they're ever going to take, uh, and that's probably uh, a combination of a lot of different things. One, number one, is that the Americans have one of the best teams in recent memory that they've ever put together, but is there something inherently um, wrong with this competition, the way that it's set up, uh, that they're really going to have, the organizers are really going to have to have a look at to see what changes they can possibly make to make it more competitive? You know, it's a great point, and it's so it's so hard as you look at this, because on paper, I mean, my goodness, you got Jason Day, you got Louie, you got uh, Hideki Matsuyama, you've got Adam Scott, you've, you've got some very, very good players, and you would think that there would be uh, much greater competition in, in in all of this, and there isn't, and that's uh, a great shame. And and I don't know. I just think it's a it's a series of bad luck. I guess I would. Uh, I don't want to be an apologist or anything, but I'd pass on some of it as bad luck as Jason Day not having a great year, of Hideki being very cold right now, of Adam Scott not doing much. I mean, Adam didn't play yesterday afternoon. He was on the bench. Um, you know, so some of the real stalwarts there that you would think could uh, could put up a good fight. Just you know, it, it's a time of year for them and a, a time of their season. They're just not playing that well, and so a lot of it, I think, is that is bad luck. And the Americans seem to be, you know, playing super. I don't know that the international team versus, let's say, the European Ryder Cup team is, you know, person to person that uh, that inferior. I think there's some. You know, pretty similarly strong players on both sides. But for some reason, as there were at times with the Ryder Cup, of course, the internationals just can't seem to to prevail. Like you said, they they've won only one time since the founding of this competition. They have that one time in uh, South Africa when uh, Jack and Gary were the respective captains. Uh, I don't know what they do, and the timing really for this couldn't be worse when they're you know the reconfiguring the season a little bit going forward. They're trying to get it so there's not a lot going on after Labor Day, certainly in the States at the PGA Tour, with once the football season starts, both in the pros and the college, it's it's hard to get uh, people to pay attention to golf. And, uh, you know, I don't know what they do with this. I don't see them getting rid of it, but it's just, I, I just think it's been a series of bad uh, bad luck and, um, and misfortune here that the uh, U.S. Is, is beating up on the international team so much. And I, I really hope it changes because... As we know at the Ryder Cup, it's a much better competition when there is competition. And when you've got that, that great rivalry and that ferocity of uh, of trying to beat each other and, and the closeness of these matches, I mean, it was sort of a, you know, to me, there was a, a weird sense out on the ground yesterday that it just didn't have the buzz, the feel, uh, the excitement um, of other tournaments I go to or other matches I go to. It was fine. It was beautiful. I 
think people appreciate great golf, but there wasn't that sense that there was something dramatic going on from a competition standpoint at all. The sense I've always got from this competition, except for the days perhaps when Norman was involved, um, the you know, I mean, the Americans yesterday they just they look like a team. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. there have been issues on the American teams in the past, but these guys look like they're actually enjoying playing with each other. They feed off of each other. They they feed off their emotions. They've got leadership. They've got Mickelson. Tiger's there, um, and 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 their play is just ex- has been exceptional. The internationals over the year, like, what do you rally around? I mean, you've got people from you've got golfers from you know from Korea, from Japan, from Canada. Uh, South Africa, Australia, it, it, and and there doesn't seem to be any leader on that team. It's not like the days when you had perhaps Price or Norman or some of those guys. It's just like it's it's one te- it's like it's like a team playing a collection of individuals. And and well, you know, you're right. You're you're right. You're so right about that. You think back to the Europeans, and they had such enormous inferiority complexes when they hadn't won in years. And then you got Seve involved, and you opened it up to the continent beyond the Great Britain and Ireland. Uh, team members and it, it you know they really uh, they had chips on their shoulders and they were a team you're exactly right now, the Europeans became much more and are still much more of a team when they get together and do this in ways that, as you say the internationals just can't seem to overcome the great geographic disparity in their um, you, you know in their makeup John has the depth in the US golf improved a lot because I, I've noticed that it has and they're they're getting better and better and better and a lot more US golfers out there doing very well what do you think of that I, I mean I what I'm seeing is unbelievable I mean I, I was still looking at it was funny going through the newspapers this morning and on Sundays I actually read a newspaper as opposed to just uh, going online and I was looking at the leaderboards of a couple of uh, tournaments the British masters I was looking at the leaderboards of this web.com event um you know with guys like jonathan bird who's, who's not a young man is you know, shooting six rounds of 64 and 65 consecutively uh you look at the play of of, of course uh, of course uh Spieth and thomas you look at the play of patrick reed coming on and he always seems to excel in these uh in these team competitions i mean you know brooks Kepler, uh coming up right now and uh, dustin johnson of course who at one point yesterday, hit a drive that went 374 yards. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know that from a um, from a depth standpoint. I don't know if American golf has been in better shape as far as that's concerned. They've got such a a large group of golfers who, in any given day, I mean, uh, who was it two days ago? Arnold Palmer's grandson, Sam Sanders, shot 59 in that same Web.com uh, event. It's it's extraordinary to me, and this is on the Web.com tour. And you know how many good golfers there are out there who are capable of going low and going super low on any given day or time, and they play with such enormous confidence. And and they're, uh, I mean, they're hitting the ball 100 miles. Their uh, approach shots are excellent. Their play around the greens is just hard to beat, and they make putts. And they seem to be absolutely fearless. So I would argue that I don't know that it's ever been deeper. Uh, certainly in my lifetime, uh, when you look well, at the talent across the U.S. scene. Well, I don't think there's any question, John, that uh, uh, in, it, in, in the youth of them, I mean, this this particular team, the way they're playing, and, and, and I mean, I'm not so sure I, it's a fair comparison to the Jack Arnold uh, Ryder Cup teams, uh, some of those incredible teams, many of whom are in the Hall of Fame, but let, in in the modern era, and, and, and the incredible other thing about this team is the youth on it. Um, yeah, you got you know Thomas and Spieth and Johnson. I mean, I mean, <laughs> and and you got a, a bunch of other guys on the way up. American golf is probably from top to bottom is probably never ever <laughs> never been this strong. I mean, they could they they could obliterate competition for the next ten years if these guys keep playing the way they're playing. Um, Certainly, it's fun to watch. Um, the The talent, like you say, is 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 incredible. Um, just on a slightly different note, uh, John, you you know, when you and I talk about golf courses all the time, Liberty National, uh, which is the uh, which is the uh, course they're hosting the Presidents Cup at this week. Uh, what do you think of it as a golf course? Uh, you know, I've played it one time. I wasn't overly impressed with it from a from a design standpoint, uh, the setting is 
It's very hard to beat the visuals to see the Statue of Liberty from many places on the golf course, the skyline of Manhattan. And uh, so there's things about that that make it really, really appealing. And it's pretty cool to arrive at any golf course via boat, whether it's, um, you know, a water taxi from Wall Street area or a, uh, one of these um, uh, ferries that I rode on down from the uh, Pier 79. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a great golf course. I mean, the pros have complained about it. I think they've had to come in there and tweak it and fiddle with it a few times since Bob Cup and Tom Kite designed it, and it, it, it has come under criticism. But I think for something like this, uh, to be able to have a major competition in the New York area, to have the Manhattan skyline visible the whole time, I think that overcomes whatever deficiencies there are as far as a uh, design standpoint are concerned. But, you know, I don't think the pros love it, and I don't think it's something that they're dying to have become part of the FedEx Cup Rota again or anything like that anytime soon. But it it serves its purpose beautifully for something like this because it's a, it's a great match play course. Uh, the setting is beautiful, and um, – and I think it's it's wonderful as a kind of a New York area guy, uh, born and raised. Uh, you know, I love when these major competitions are in the New York area because people just seem to really enjoy it, and it gives it a nice big city appeal to it. Anyways, we've been talking to John Steinberger. John, uh, once again, thanks. Um, probably not much to look forward to in this competition this afternoon, unfortunately, other than, you know, tuning in and watching some masterful uh, uh, golf from some of the American players. Uh, Really, something. Yeah, people are going to be having. People have fun watching it. People who go out there again, it's really easy to get out by the ferry. You don't have to deal with the the New York area traffic. So I think you'll have good crowds out there. But yeah, individually to turn it on and to watch it, I think it's going to be a. It's going to be hard to get all fired up about it. But you've got, you know, the best players in the world competing against each other, and and I think it's always fun. I think you feel the same way. You know, we've talked about this before too. You know, to see. Match, uh, you know, to see match play, which you don't get to see a lot, um, to see, you know, uh, other players in the gallery once they've finished up to go out to watch the compatriots play. Um, you know, there's a great shot in the New York Times this morning of Mickelson and Amy and their and their two daughters in the gallery yesterday watching. You know, sitting, you know, uh, sitting on the ground, their arms up in the air. Uh, I don't know if they're doing the wave or whatever, <laughs> but I mean, those sorts of elements make it really fun. I think so. Since it's a different thing, it's not just a stroke play event. Uh, there'll be the individual matches with these really good players, and they'll all be playing. I think you know you'll see some great stuff. You'll see some great uh, face-offs between different people, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. But it, it'll lack that drama. It'll lack that sense of uh, intensity yeah, for the simple fact there's you know there's, all the U.S. has to do is win one more match, and it's over. Yeah, um, Presidents Cup. My favorite Presidents Cup memory. Just uh, just want to share this with John. It's Royal Montreal. 2007. It was Sunday. The internationals were out of it, but Mike Weir went toe to toe with Tiger Woods in the last matchup, and Weir won that match and uh, made it made a fantastic Sunday for all pa- passionate golf fans in Canada. That's that's my you know, favorite. That, that, that's one of mine too. I remember that very well. I remember watching that, and I remember thinking that was. I mean, I love Royal Montreal. It's such a great classic historic club. And, you know, Mike's a wonderful guy. And Tiger was at, his, you know, the peak of his game then. And so it was really, really fun to see to see that go on. I agree with you. That was one of the great wins of all time. and something that was really, really enjoyable. Anyways, John, we'll let you go. And uh, on, this, on last note on the President's Cup, watch for the President's Cup to be in Canada in 2023, I believe. It's coming back to Canada. You heard it here first on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. That's great news. I look forward to that. And thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, John. Thanks so much. Uh, Cheers. Cheers. John Steinbretter. Uh, We'll go to break, and we'll be right back after the break. Oh, we've already had our second break. Naz, sorry about that. Uh, Got got excited talking about Tiger Woods and Mike Weir. My producer's looking at me saying, like, what what pills have you been popping this morning? We've already had our breaks. Okay, so what we'll do, we'll take some calls. Uh, be an opportunity to take some calls. We haven't taken some calls in a while, so I'll read out the phone numbers. Area code 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. If you want to call in, we'd love to take your call. We'll give out those numbers again. 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. 
announcement. Uh, I want to announce that TFC won their game last night. They accomplished something that a Toronto sports franchise, uh, uh, t- a major North American uh, franchise team, um, it finished uh, in in uh, since 1963. Apparently, uh, uh, they took the NF uh, the entire league title, uh, the MLS title. They won it last night by beating the New York Red Bulls, I believe, four to two. So, congratulations to TFC. Hopefully, we will see them in the MLS Cup final, December 9th in Toronto. Hopefully, uh, they'll. Uh, but they did win the uh, they did win the regular season title last night, and congrats to uh, to TFC. The Argos are on a bit of a roll as well, Naz. Um, so they're going to the Grey Cup, and, uh, and nobody really cares. They, uh, they seem to have turned their season around, and uh, so uh, we've asked uh, we've asked for calls at four one six three six zero zero seven four zero one eight six six seven four zero four seven four zero. I noticed the. Uh, the uh, call lines are buzzing, so uh, Justin, if you can uh, put the first call through, please. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Who are we talking with? Good morning. Oh, Tom from Brampton. Tom from Brampton. What's on your mind this morning, sir? Uh, I'd like to see the Jays go out with a win today. Oh, I think we all would. Naz, I'm going to ask you to comment on that one, Naz. Well, I, I predicted them to finish last in their division, and they may do it with a loss today, but... Um, Things things aren't aren't as bad as uh, they seem right now. They'll be a lot better next year for sure. I agree with that. Uh, yeah. Look at Detroit, the money they spent on those players and where they ended up. Yeah. And uh, second, uh, Johnny Football. It's nice to see <laughs> Hamilton negotiating with the guy. Uh, Naz, I want to see him here next year. Well, uh, you you may be a minority on that one, Tom. And thank you very much for your call. We'll let you go. Well, uh, one more thing. Uh, I hate the Leafs. Okay. <laughs> okay. Already? Okay, thanks, Tom. Thanks, okay, Tom. Bye-bye. Right. Anyways, uh, I'm not even going to ask you to comment on that. We'll comment on that after. But we've got Kevin from Buffalo on the line. So, uh, Kevin, what's on your mind this morning, sir? Well, good morning, gentlemen. And quite quite a Sunday with the ending of baseball season and this week opening of hockey. And quite quite a different evening. Last evening, the Toronto Marlies played their final preseason game. They played the Rochester Americans here in Buffalo. And just sort of a, a, a slight plug on the, the Marlies and the American Hockey League and with the, with the uh, opening with the Maple Leafs this week. And I, I noticed I, I did see the second half of the game, Matt Hackett got in goal for the Marlies. And for the Amherst, the Sabres just sent down Almick. And because uh, of the trade, Chad Johnson came with the Sabres. And uh, just in, in closing, a great time of the season with the ending of baseball. And uh, good luck with the Maple Leafs. And Montreal is here Thursday. Uh, exciting time. And, and boy, the, the American Hockey League, long-time tradition. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of great players that you get to see. Uh, on the sidelines last evening, the Sabres, they sent down Justin Bailey and Batiste, and they, they were actually sitting in the corner. Uh, fans could get autographs, and uh, great time of the year. Uh, good luck with the baseball and the playoffs. The Yankee series should be very exciting. And you know, gentlemen, real quickly in that, in one game, you never know, uh, even though home, home field one game can be always a, a challenge, but have a very nice week and always a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, thanks so much, Kevin. It's always a pleasure hearing from you. Thanks so much. Naz, any comments to Yeah, the, the uh, Marley team was playing last night against uh, Detroit. Most of those guys that played in that game against Rochester, I'm sure, are not going to be on the team. A lot of those guys that played last night are going to be on the Marlies. Yeah, I, I think that goes back to the point that um, uh, Michael Trakos made that uh, uh, aside from the fact that the Leafs, if everything goes according to plan, um, uh, they will, they're, they're going to have a good team this year. Uh, the, the depth in this organization is probably better than it's been since I can remember. Uh, you're, you're sending some really good hockey players, 
down to the American Hockey League. So uh, not only is there going to be a buzz around the ACC this year, there's probably going to be a buzz around the Rico Coliseum because yeah. uh, it, it certainly looks like the Toronto Marlies are going to have uh, going to have a good team. And, um, you know, they've got some NHL-caliber players, and, you know, that's great for the Leafs because, you know, any team that goes through a season, um, they're going to run into injuries. And, and the teams that are able to survive that are the teams that have depth in the organization. And for the first time in a, in a long time, it looks like the Toronto Maple Leafs have some really quality personnel that can – I mean, every time Josh Levo comes up, I mean, he impresses me. Uh, he's, got, he's got a skill set, uh, can't seem to find his particular niche uh, in, in the Babcock scheme of things. But, you know, when he, when he comes up, you don't necessarily lose that much of a step. I mean, I'm not talking about losing Austin Matthews or, or Mitch Marner or Lee Nylander at that. I mean, you can't replace superstars. But, uh, you know, you bring a Josh Levo up or a Kapanen, I mean, the, the, Kapanen is not going to make the team. That's amazing. He's so talented. And he's not. Well, that make may the team. that may be a function, as you mentioned, Naz. It's it may be more. Uh, if you've got to send somebody down, it's 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 contract and money, yeah. and and exactly. whether you use up a year and all that, all the myriad of of uh, ins and outs that uh, that come with the salary cap era. Can I right? go through the roster where I think it's going to be, and let's see how close I come to this. We're going to have uh, Rosen and Borgman. Gardner, Hainsey, Riley, Saitsev, and Carrick as the seven defensemen. Polak may get in there eventually, but those seven will start with the Leafs. Bozak will be with um, um, Marner and Van Riemsdyk. Matthews with Nylander and Hyman. Kadri with Komarov and Marlowe. And Moore is going to be on the team. Moore, Brown, and Martin. I think Fear is going to get released, Eric Fear. I just think that's the way Lou Lamarillo is. And I think uh, Levo and Altonen will be the other two guys. So that's what their team's going to be. Pretty good lineup. Um, the critical parts of the lineup, uh, and you know, the, the reality is injuries. And then, and then it's not easy making the playoffs. No, it's not easy. And you've got a couple of teams coming that didn't make it last year. Uh, Every you know. year, there's three teams that don't make the playoffs that made it the year before. Yeah. Uh, and so some of the teams from the year before that didn't make it that had some injury trouble, you know, they're they're better and and healthier than they were last year. So it's going to be a scramble. Anyways, I'm excited, Naz. Uh, last word before we uh, before we sign off. Let's go Buffalo Bills. <laughs> okay, it's been another great week for the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.